What's up, everyone? This is the Nuts and Bolts Podcast, and I'm your host, the one James, here with our amazing co-host, Terrible. Hey, guys. And Michael Gritz. What it do. And we're here to give you the nuts and bolts of the Standard and Pioneer formats each and every week. But first, let me talk to you about the sponsor of the podcast, CoolStuffInc.com. Using code JAMES5, you can save 5% off of anything in the store, sealed product, singles, anything you can ever need in Magic the Gathering. They have it. Go save yourself some hard-earned money and go to CoolStuffInc.com today that brings us into the upkeep of today's episode the jargon of course once again we're going to talk about chump blocking and chump attacking today Ooh, okay this is a block talk about chump blocking specifically a block made solely to preserve the blocking player's life total where the blocking creature dies without killing the attacking creature chump attacking is wanting to do need or wanting or needing to do something whether it's either killing your opponent or killing a planeswalker or what have you getting an attack trigger where you know that your creature is going to get blocked and die without trading with the other creature give me a situation either one of you i guess i'll go to airball on whether on on some chump attacks that you do or maybe i don't know some chump blocks yeah i mean chump attacks um are usually when you want some sort of incidental benefit from the attack so like if you have in standard uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker token, and you swing with that into a bigger creature, you know the token's going to die, but you'll get a treasure token out of the deal, and ramping from three to five can be valuable enough where, you, where you're willing to do that. Yeah, Mike, Michael, give me, give me a chump block situation. Yeah, uh, chump block situation, you know, when you want to make, you know, a block, um, you just throw one of your low-value creatures in front of something, whether to preserve your life total or to you know, um, maintain your board state as far as, like, you want to make sure that uh, your Planeswalker doesn't die. Um, you can put a creature in front of it that you feel is of lower value than either your life total or the Planeswalker you have on board. So I, I would say that's a pretty decent chump blocking type of thing. Yeah, now, now we now we know we're all experts here on chump blocking and chump attacking. I'm going to go a little off script here and say, hey, Airball, how was your, how was your holidays? Michael, how was your holidays? I know we we had a couple of weeks off of the podcast to catch up with family life and everything. What's going on? What I, I, are you in a new place? Everybody, what's going? What's what's up with life in the last, past couple of weeks? Uh, life has been being stranded in a few different airports <laughs> trying to get back from Canada. Uh, it, it has not been great. Um, finally made it back down to the states though. Um, yes, yeah, I, I got this to my family. I got to eat lots of good food. And now I have to work it off. Yikes, Michael, what'd you do? Uh, you know, this is a different uh, holiday for me. Some stuff in my life have changed, so it was a it was a kind of a lonely holiday, but I made the best of it. Um, did some skiing and some snowboarding. Uh, finally got down my first black diamond on some skis. Um, in control and you know with some speed, so pretty happy about that. Um, yeah, and then just try to like hang out with people here or there just to kind of stave off the holiday loneliness but we did it we got through it 2023 is here i have a unique situation where i go to like three different places all on thanksgiving day and like and on christmas too so mm -mm. i'm like at my dad's and then i go to oh, for lunch and then i go to like my fiance's for for like a after lunch thing like she has lunch slash dinner i don't know what you call that like a liner or something at like yeah. three or four and then my mom's mm. house, they eat at like seven. So I make sure to, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know how to like eat a decent portion size if I know that I have two huge meals coming up after. So I'm just the most stuffed possible at the end of the day because I don't want to make anyone you know? feel bad. You know, it's like, I don't know. I feel, I feel like if I don't eat a lot of their food, that'll make them feel bad. I don't know if it comes with being like, like some of my, my family's Italian. And mm -hmm. my fiance's family is Hispanic, so I feel I feel like mm -hmm. it would be just like disrespectful to like not eat their food. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. And I, but you know what? I'm happy that I was lonely. I didn't have to go through any of that torture. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I grew up with uh, with an Italian nonna too, so I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> and, and it's not even like it's like also like I don't want to be disrespectful, but I also know that like they know that too like if they don't eat this i feel disrespected <laughs> uh -huh. oh yeah <laughs> so anyways i had a very eventful 
time as well. But um, let's go ahead and step into what we're talking about today. We have a cool Keep or Mulligan episode, Pioneer Edition. And we're going to talk about Rakdos Midrange, both playing with Rakdos Midrange against other decks, playing the Mirror Match, and also playing other decks against Rakdos. And we have a few examples and a few different uh, poll results on whether the uh, whether you people think you should mulligan or think you should keep. So we're going to go into that right now. We have a, like five different situations we're going to go over and strap in and let us know um, uh, either on Twitter or let us know in, our, in the YouTube comments what you think, if you think you would mulligan on such certain situations and whether you think you would have kept and why. So let's start out with situation number one. We're playing we're playing Rakdos Midrange and in Pioneer and you are on the play against an unknown opponent and your hand is Thoughtseize, Croxa, another Croxa, Castle Lockthwain, Blood Crypt, another Blood Crypt, and a Haunted Ridge. I personally don't play two Croxas in my in my deck, but this is the deck list we're going with. I'm if I, I'm gonna go first, okay? If I'm Rectus Midrange and I'm on the play and I see Blood Crypt, Thoughtseize, and a two drop. I don't know. I'm like, I'm snap keeping it. But <laughs> I mean, that's just me. I'm like, I don't know if I'm greedy or something, but like, I'm keeping this because you have Thoughtseize turn one and Croxa turn two, and you have two draws until you can draw literally anything, and you have a Castle Locked Wayne. So I'm like, well, I'm going to get there. I'm usually an aggressive slash greedy keeper, but that's just me. So I'm, I'm going to go to Michael since you're also the Rakdos aficionado. Do you keep this or do you mulligan this? Hell no, I don't keep this. I, sh <laughs> I ship this thing so ultra fast, I don't even blink. Um, the reason is we're on the play and we are Rakdos, and like, um, you know, Rakdos, almost no matter what format it is, you are a good deck because you have low costed interaction and low costed proactive plan, and you definitely want to be enacting those type of stuff. Um, Crooks is not good enough of a proactive plan because it doesn't really affect the board. And you're already doing a, a thought seize initially, um, yeah, and you don't know what you're you're playing against either. So, you know, your turn one definitely has to be thought seize, um, and then your turn two is Kroxa, and you hope that you've drawn something else. Um, and doing a lot of hope with Rakdos uh, is not the best. You kind of want to at least have something to kind of get your yourself going if maybe this was the same hand but with a blood tithe harvester i'd be more interested because we can if we draw more lands we can maybe draw something else blood tithe harvester is also a proactive game plan so you know if one of these cards was a blood tithe harvester as far as like even like any card of these was a blood tithe harvester other than thought seeds rather um this would probably be a keep and then we also need to keep in mind that we don't know what we're playing against, so our opponent could be aggro. And against aggro, this is a super, super, super bad hand um, because we're taking a whole bunch of damage uh, because we're thought seizing and blood cripping, depending on how things play out. And then we don't have access to easy mana on our turns, you know, one through three. Um, and then against something that was more control, if it ends up turning to more towards a control thing you're not being proactive so even against a control matchup yeah they're losing their cards but then they start get to they get to start choosing what they're discarding once you're doing crocs at two and three so like the control mirror is going to be like or the control person probably a little bit happy because it's like you're enacting their game plan which is playing the long game so those are my thoughts at first all right well rip, rip us both apart Oh, I'm not going to rip Michael apart. I'm, I'm totally on the same page as him. I think this is this is the easiest mole. Let's mold. go, um, Like, you're, you're against an unknown opponent. So most likely you're up against Rakdos. This hand is terrible against Rakdos, right? Thoughtseize is a pretty bad card in the mirror. Croxa, uh, you have two of them. It's not a huge inconvenience to be Croxa on turn two. You have uh, six or seven cards that you might want to discard if you're the opponent at that point. Um, it's not really an inconvenience. It's not coming back anytime soon. You're not filling the graveyard. Castle Octwain is probably one of the more important cards in the mirror, but if you can't stick an early threat and you're just sort of waiting for the top of your deck to bail you out, that's not something that this that these mid-rangey Rakdos decks do very well. They don't top deck super well. They need to have a proactive plan and they need to kind of close the game out quickly before other decks go over the top of them. 
So I'm totally with Ra with uh, Michael on this one. I think this is a mall. Okay, I agree with you that Thoughtseize is bad in the mirror match, but Thoughtseize on turn one is not bad in the mirror match. It's just bad when you're both top decking and you're top decking Thoughtseize. That's like that's the reason why it's bad in the mirror because you're both gonna have like no cards in hand like pretty fast. I I think right? sure. Yeah, um, no, I mean Thoughtseize on on one is is the best it's ever gonna be in the mirror. I just don't think it's that great either way. I think I think actually uh, if uh, game game one. Game one Thoughtseize, uh taking like a Fable of the Mirror Breaker in the mirror match. Like like if you're if you're against control, I think I still like the hand because you're gonna get three rid of three cards out of their hand and you have a castle locked one to refill your hand. And um against the only the only way this, this hand really punishes you if you're against like mono red or like mono white aggro. Um I, I think against the mirror, you're still like fine. And I'm taking I, I'm taking into account <clears throat> I'm taking into account you know, draw steps, but I'm probably like way more liberal when it comes to like drawing, like draw steps after I see an opening hand than most people are. I'm like, I don't know, like Seth Manfield in that way. It's just like always keep. But if if I hey. see four lands and three spells and I have a turn one thought sees, I'm like super inclined to keep no matter what the spells are. Unless they're like all hey, four drops. James. Yeah. James, here's an exercise for you. Change one card in this hand to make it worse. Change a How card in this hand that? to make it worse into a different card? Yeah. Okay, I'll change thought season to. I'll change Thoughtseize into, uh, like, Invoke Despair. Okay. So now you're waiting till turn five to like, do like you, anything like you want to, you want me to change one card in this hand to make it worse, or, like, like a couple cards? I, I think there are... My point is that I think there are very few ways to make this hand worse. Like, well, if you're trying. I mean, no, I mean, so I, mean th I think thought the six-card hand is probably oh, better. I, I, think, I think if you replace Thoughtseize with Fatal Push, I still keep it. If you replace Thoughtseize with any creature, I keep it. If you replace Thoughtseize with like Shieldred, like maybe I Mulligan. But like, but anything other than a four drop, a five drop, a four drop or a five drop or another land, a fifth land, then I think I would Mulligan all of those. But then I, I keep this hand. Additionally, um, another thing that we can do is what are your best draws? Like any, and, oh, oh, that's actually the reason why I keep this hand. Uh, and I, we won't take this long on, every, on on all of them, but I just want to like you know. Yeah. Um, what are your best draws? Well, my, my best draws. Okay, that's the reason why I keep this is because almost all of my draws yeah. are good. I need you to tell me what your best okay. draws are. I okay. don't need you to tell me almost anything. I draw is the best card. I need what, you to what, tell what me what are my best draws. Okay. Correct. Blood Tithe Harvester, Graveyard Trespasser. If you're playing Liliana of the Veil, that. Um. Let's see. Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Um. Let's see. Like anything that's not a land, basically, almost anything that's not a land except for like another thought seize because you already have like two Croxes in hand too. Yeah, but you have three more thought seizes in your deck, right? Well, yeah, but you have more of all the other cards that I just named. No, but you have are, three thought seizes, and you still have more lands in your deck. Uh, the Rakdos deck runs how much lands again? Um, twenty. I run twenty five right now, um, because it's really important to hit the third land drop. In a lot of matchups, to hit your graveyard trespasser, so, hit the mirror break, or stuff like that. But um, so that means if you have that much, you have like twenty-eight cards that are bad draws. Maybe more than twenty-eight. Almost half your deck are bad draws. Um, and the other half are good. So you're still kind of not it. You're still like this is something I've been learning and and through coaching and reading articles. But like you sometimes need to think what is going to be your best draws or what's going to be your likely draws. Likely draws is what you need to kind of think of when you're doing a keeper mull. And so you can run, I'm not saying be a savant and try and figure out percentages and everything, but just do a quick like mental math thing of like, all right, here are the worst draws I can do. There are the best draws I can have. What are the percentage quick, some quick percentages, quick fractional math that we're going to do. Oh yeah. Here. I got you on that one. And so, right. And so from that, it's like, well, I'm 50, 50 ing it. And oh, no, I don't actually, think 50, 50 ing yeah. 50 50 in it is good enough to keep a seven like this with unknown information. So mm. Mm. to me, it's an easier mulligan when I think of it in that concept. However, if there was something else like a blood tithe harvester, or in your case, you love playing Liliana or something like a fable mirror breaker, and it was one of the cards here, well, then our draws got a little bit better because there's obviously ways that we can start manipulating our draws right. from that point forward and turns the 50% to, you know, less than 50. So now our good draws are more 52, 53, 54% more likely, which is a 
objectively a better way to you know think about yeah. this and think about what we want to keep with That's with with, with four lands and you're opening a hand like this if playing 24 or 25 lands in Rakdos, your chances of drawing another land off the top is like in the low 40 percentage low, low 40s so you have like a, a 50 some 50 like high 50s percent chance that you don't draw land there's still those three thought pieces in the deck of course that i think you were going to say yes and the shieldred and the invoke despair and right these are all bad draws so it's not that you're uh, not just trying to not pull a land yeah. i think you have a lot of bad draws like 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 you're saying i think you also have a lot of fine draws which i think james is saying makes the hand keepable and i think it's not right? I, don't, I think yeah, graveyard, I don't think... graveyard trespasser is fine but it's not going to like salvage the game for you liliana is fine it's not going to salvage the game i think there's only one actively good draw in the deck here fable. and that's fable and blood type. and blood type, yeah maybe yeah I mean, I mean even even misery's misery shadow is really good here like turn turn one thoughts these turn to misery shadow like you know start playing the game i don't know for for me i've been burned too many times by like mulliganing a hand like this and then maybe okay. it's i don't know whether it's a confirmation bias or something but uh, i've been burned too many times with having it with like mulliganing a hand like this and i draw like you know six land six lands and a spell or like six spells and a land on my next one i'm like all right i guess i'm going to five when I could have kept the seven, and I like there's something super appealing to me about like lands and spells. Ooh, like I'm just like if I if I have lands and spells and I turn one thought sees, all right, I'm keeping it. <laughs> um, but anyways, I I, I, I don't I, I don't usually play two Croxes anyway, but um, with this specific hand, it's super close. We have the Keeper Mall with the people that voted. Um, forty-four percent keep, fifty-six percent mall. So a little a little bit. It's it's like pretty close, but the majority said Mulligan. All right, moving on to situation number two. You're playing Is It Creativity, and you're on the draw versus Rakdos Midrange in game one. Your hand's the following. Oh, it's in game one. How do you know you're, in How do you know you're against Rakdos Midrange if you're on the draw in game one? That's an interesting uh, situation. You're in a tournament or something. Open you're deck in a tournament. List. You've, been, you've, been, you've been, yeah, open deck list. Open deck tournament or you've been scouting the room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, your hand is Fable the Mirror Breaker, Secrets of the Key, Xenagos God of Revels, Odawara Soaring City, two Stormcarf Coasts, and a Mountain. Do you keep or mulligan? Uh, Secrets of the Key says uh, it's a one-mana instant, if you don't know what that is. Investigate. If it was cast from the graveyard, investigate twice instead. It has a flashback cost of three and a blue. So, um, you're against Rakdos Midrange. Fable the Mirror Breaker is awesome. You don't want to... Uh, it's awesome against Rakdos, even on the draw. You do against Rakdos want like some kind of early interaction, like a um you know like just a one mana red removal spell or or something what where whereas fable is really good it's a four land hand you have a xenagos in your opening hand you don't want to draw that ever right because you can't really get that out of your hand so you can creativity out of the deck so i'm going to say it's it's really close because you have the fable but i'm going to say mulligan i'll go to i'll go to you airball after this one would you keep her mall yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a mulligan. I think your analysis is exactly right. I think Fable is a really good card in the mirror, but in game one, when you're playing Is It Creativity, I guess we should back up and explain what the deck is trying to do. Um, is It Creativity in Pioneer is a deck that's trying to cast Indomitable Creativity targeting um, two creatures or treasures and put uh, Xenagoth, God of Revels, and uh, what's the other one? World Spine Worm. World Spine Worm. Yeah, yeah. The 15-15. So you, it, creativity, both of those into play, you get a hasty 30-30 with Trample that kills the opponent in one shot. Um, most of these decks are only running one copy of each, because drawing them sucks so much. Uh, most of them don't have the means to actually cast them from hand, so they're pretty much a dead draw. And they only have a few ways to put them back in the deck with cards like Valakut Awakening, and uh like cathartic pyre or, or sorry not, not not cathartic pyre the other two, two damage one two mana one fire that's the one yeah. yeah where you can put the card on the bottom of your deck um and i think especially when you're playing against rakdos um having this card in your opening hand with no way to put it back in the deck quickly leads to it getting thought seized and all you of lose. a sudden because you're so all in on this combo you have no way to win the game um so I think it's a mull. I, I think this is just asking for trouble. I also do want to say that you don't really want to... If you know you're playing against Rakdos and you have your opening seven, I'm more likely to keep a bad opening seven against Rakdos because, I mean, if you're getting Thoughtseize for your best card, you might as well not mulligan. You might as well, you're like going to six anyway. But this specific hand with Xenagos in the hand, if that gets Thoughtseize, you lose. But um, I'll go over to you, Michael, for this one. Do you keep a mulligan? Mulligan. That's easy. Once I figured out the Xenagos thing, even before I, I learned about Xenagos being one copy... I was kind of very hesitant. You're not doing literally anything. 
in the beginning turns of the game, your mana isn't the greatest either. So if you draw something that was like good on interaction, I mean, I guess you can order war or mountain returns one one and two and then go into storm course, but it's still not great. Um, and yeah, uh, <clears throat> you don't, you're all in on your secrets of the key thing. And then like a, a, you were mentioning, you're all in on Xenagos. So it, there's just no, there's no game plan here. There's a zero amount of game plan in, in magic. Like the best thing you can do if you're ever going to start to learn how to play better magic is just learn your game plan and what you're supposed to be doing yeah. and learn your opponent's game plan. And from those two, the very basics, uh, this is just bad. You're mulliganing it. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the things, uh, uh, one of like the paradigms that I have about keeping your mulliganing is like, mulliganing is like, how, how many subsets of cards do you need for this hand to be good? You need like exactly one of the cards that you were saying. You need a Fire Prophecy or a Valkyrie Awakening. And Fire Prophecy is the best out of those, but you have to draw a specific card, which is very bad. You also have to not get Thoughtseize. My my uh my Rakdos example from before, you you need kind of like you know a very wide subset of cards, which let which led me to keep that hand, even though the majority of people said Mulligan. But as we see here for the keeper Mulligan, keep is thirty six percent and Mulligan is sixty four percent, so a little higher Mulligan on the second uh situation here. Moving on to the situation number three, you're playing Mono Green Devotion, and you're on the play versus Rakdos Midrange in game three. Your hand is the following. Lanoir Elves, Sky Sovereign Console Flagship, Cavalier Thorns, Lair of the Hydra, Forest, Forest, and Nykthos. I am going to say, and you are, you're on the play or on the draw? You're on the play. Okay. That means Lanoir Elves has a little bit less chance of getting Thought Seized, but it's probably going to get Fatal Pushed or Blood Chiefs Thirsted, or whatever your opponent's playing. And then you're left on literally nothing for five turns. <laughs> uh, you have a Lair of the Hydra, a Nykthos, two forests, and you're like hoping off the top for specific cards that aren't your other five and six drops in the deck. And there's a lot of them. Whereas Sky Sovereign, Console Flagship, and Cavalier Thorns are great against Rakdos, no matter how you put them on the battlefield. Um, your Lanowar Elves being susceptible to dying, is enough to mulligan this for me. If this hand had maybe two Lenoir Elves or a Lenoir Elves and a, a Willflow Haven, I would consider keeping it, but maybe still not. Um, do you keep or mulligan this airball? Yeah, I think this is a classic trap hand. Like if you're just playing on Arena or Moto, it's easy to just say, oh, land, spells, elf, boat, keep. But if you look at it for longer than five seconds i think you're exactly right the elf especially in game three when rakdos brings in its extra kill spells to deal with the the elves the elf is gonna die <laughs> and, and nykthos is kind of bad because you don't have any devotion you don't have any way of getting to your five drops before turn five you're, you're just gonna get torn apart this is uh, i think an easy mulligan michael tell me you're gonna keep this Not uh, <laughs> i mean it's weird i think this is weird um it's almost kind of the fact that like you have four lands that like <sighs> i don't know what to do no it's a mulligan um you're about to trap, your, you're about to trap yourself is... no i know um <laughs> it's close though because the reason why it's close is because they're unlike the other keeper mole hands that we've been seeing because you have access to four lands straight up and a lot of your draws are pretty powerful, it could be, a, and then you're likely to draw into them. Uh, like you're likely to get some sort of action that's going to be relevant. It can be perhaps keepable. Um, even though our, our, our land of war elves is most likely going to be killed, but we are on the play. Um, but like, you know, your Karn does pretty well. Your old growth troll does pretty well. Um, Kiora, if that's still the card that these decks are playing, is going to do pretty well. And there's just, and then like, um, what's the other card? The Nissa's, the Nissa enchantment. I forget what it's called. Oath of Nissa. Oath of Nissa. Um, Oath of Nissa. Like, so while yes, it's not great, I think the going back, I'm just gonna like play devil's advocate and say I'll keep it. Um, because um there's a lot of stuff that you can draw that is likely to be drawn 
that will make this hand good just because we have our Nykthos, our, our, our signature card for this deck. And you also have access to layer things kind of get a little spicy, which can be a blocker or something to kind of give you another turn. And then we have a lot of good draws. Um, and you don't want to, uh, the point I was getting to is you don't want to mulligan down towards Rakdos. Um, in, in, you know, especially since, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to be using some powerful things and thought seizing you and destroying like your first creature or so. So, um, and the land of where else being a lightning rod isn't the worst thing in the world because then they're not developing their first turn. So that kind of gives you maybe a tiny bit of wiggle room, even though you would rather it stay on the board. So I think I'm more inclined to keep this hand, even though, um, even though it doesn't really do anything. If it was three lands and then maybe another high costed card that we couldn't cast, then I would ship it. But because we have access to four mana just straight up, I'm kind of a little bit more interested. I could be incorrect, but that's that's what I'm gonna say. The I think the, optimistically the, you're gonna get one turn of use out of the land where else you're you are yeah, on the play absolutely. after all. It has to absolutely. be exactly fatal push. Absolutely. And so if we had a three drop, I think that would be enough to make me keep. That's exactly but we exactly don't have anything the, to do with three mana. That's exactly yeah. all the point I was gonna make. You have one this is like high risk, high reward. Like this is the highest risk, high reward hand possible. If they don't remove your Lenor elves, you are like and and you draw like Kiora or Old Growth Troll off the top, you are winning the game. Like you already like you you almost already won the game. You have you haven't you have a Nykthos, you have Lenor elves, they didn't kill it. Like they have to have like a bone crusher giant and at that point you have you you were on the play, you already have a three drop, and they just use all of their mana on their own turn to stomp your land elves. And then you and then you get another draw. And then all of a sudden your next draw, you're casting Sky Sovereign and Cavalier, you've already won the game. The so this is like the most high risk, high reward hand possible. Um and maybe you can live life on the edge and keep this hand because of that, but if you don't draw a three drop on your next turn, um you you likely lose. And also, even if you did have a three drop in this hand and you kept it, and you got and they got rid of Lenoir else with and they happened to draw Fatal Push, um, you are waiting two more turns to cast your three drop, and that doesn't feel very good. And you could get out tempoed uh, after that. So I'm I'm gonna still yeah. keep my Mulligan decision here. Thirty six percent say keep, sixty four percent say Mulligan. But you know, the thirty six percent of the people that said keep could definitely get rewarded over, with the high risk. I do want to make one more point before we move on to the next one, which is that I'm more likely to mulligan sketchy hands when I have a good matchup. Um, my my average six is probably still good enough to beat my good matchup, which is Rakdos midrange with solid play. And I also think that the mono green deck in particular also just mulligans very well. Um, you don't actually need seven cards in your opening hand with mono green because it, all you need to do is stick one four mana permanent like Karn or uh or a boat or a cavalier and then everything just sort of cascades from there yeah i mean quite literally cascading you cast like so many spells in a turn <laughs> the, what, yeah. what, so my, my philosophy playing rakdos midrange against mono green and i have a positive win rate against mono green now after like figured out the matchup as i've said in other other episodes if you listen to those in the audience here but um my philosophy against mono green is, you know, kill all of their mana dorks and don't let them do mono green things. <laughs> That's what I say. Don't let them do mono green things. And as soon as they start doing mono green things, you have to burn them out from there with like a stomp or whatever. And if you can't, you lose. Uh, it's just that simple. There's too much card draw, too many five drops happening and uh, too many spells happening. And all of a sudden they might not even kill you with the combo, but they'll put four old growth trolls in play and, and you'll never win from there. But anyway, majority of the people say Mulligan. Let's go over to situation number four. You are playing Rakdos Midrange and you're on the draw versus Rakdos Midrange in game three. Your hand is the following. Blood Crypt, Blood Crypt, Powered Kill, Powered Kill, Fatal Push, Swamp, and a Sokinzan Crucible of Defiance. This is a four land hand with three removal spells. You're on the draw. Um, powered Kill in my deck is not Powered Kill because of the Angels matchup, but it's, it's Go for the Throat instead. But, you know, that's here than over there. But yeah, on... because you you stole my heartless axe. <laughs> That's true. You're going to bring that up every episode, aren't you? I am right. <laughs> you're all right. I can't say that you're wrong about that. Um, here's four lands. Oh my goodness. I mean, gosh. Uh, I mean, on the draw is the only situation where I can even consider one even iota of keeping this. Um, if I was in the place, is an instant mulligan. Um. On the draw, the opponent's going... There's probably no Thought Seizes Game 3 in the mirror. 
So you, they're not looking at your hand. You have a lot of chances to draw any creature or fable or whatever. And you know that their turn two Misery Shadow or Blood Tithe Harvester is getting killed. You know their turn three Graveyard Trespasser or Fable the Mirror Breaker token is getting killed. You know their Shieldred's also getting killed. Uh, and, and they're on the play, so they're the one trying to be, uh, trying to be the aggressor towards you. Um, and a lot of the times in the Rakdos mid-range mirror match, you have a lot of time turns like two, three, four, five because your opponent you're, you're just staring at each other, trying like who's going to play into the removal spell first. And uh, I think hitting your land drops is very important in that situation. You don't have a record or bank buster in this hand though. You don't have a boat. You don't have a, a power spell. You don't have a fable. Um, but God, I mean, I mean, I I mean, long pause here, but I'm keeping this. Uh, Airball? I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I think I'm going to mull anyway. Um, I think that in Game 3, a lot of the air from both players' decks has been removed. So this is actually kind of close to, like, the nut-low possible hand you could start with. Everything in your hand is a one-for-one, one, and you know your opponent is likely to have Fable of the Mirror Breaker, or Boat, or Invoke Despair, or something like that. And if any of those things land, like a Reckoner Bankbuster, like opponent plays Reckoner Bankbuster on two and you just cry into your drink. This is not going to go well for you. Um, you don't want to be one for one in yourself. That's the reason that uh, you took Thoughtseizes out in the first place. I, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of, uh, of traction with this hand. I think you're going to lose pretty quickly. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Michael, we're, I, I have more things to say. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Michael, what do you think about this? Are you, are you keeping or mulliganing? I'm going to keep. Why? Um, yeah, uh, I am banking. I'm like, obviously, I'm banking on my opponent having some sort of creatures that they want to put down, and I want to kill those creatures and then start top decking from there. And hopefully, that is enough to kind of pivot the game into my favor. Um, because I think we, we keep talking about like, what are we going to draw into, and from being on the play and wanting to kind of remove stuff from our opponent and then hope that our deck gives us something proactive to do. I think it's much more likely going to happen with this this hand because we know we have a lot of our reactive spell. If we draw into more reactive spells, that'd be pretty bad. But more than likely, I think we're going to be drawing into something that's proactive or hitting our land drops, which is something that we're interested in doing. So I think I'm I'm much more happy to keep because I know, um, you know, in a draw game, in a mid-range like game, um, and we're one for wanting each other. Um, I think it's pretty important to somehow be able to find out how to play the game in a pace where you're removing anything that they're doing and then eventually able to uh, draw something to kind of pivot the game into your favor and then start taking advantage from there. Um, and I think this hand lends itself into that. And we're, we're kind of set up for our later turns and having early interactions pretty nice. Um, you know, I think the you speaking into what um, Airball was saying, it would be pretty bad if they have a Reckoner Bankbuster or something else that we can't interact with. Um, but I still think I'm pretty interested in this hand. Um, and if I'm the Rakdos player uh, playing game three, I'm definitely you know changing my how my cards are. Um, based on me being on the play, so I want a proactive game plan. So, like against an opponent that I would feel is wise enough, they should be playing something in a proactive game plan and and trying to um, do that. So, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you, uh, James. Uh, that I'll probably end up keeping this. Okay, so I understand I understand what Airball's saying about you know if they have record or bankbuster or fable the mirror breaker, it's just a little bit medium, which. Totally, I understand. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a little bit muted. It's all, it's, it's a bad. Disaster. Okay, like, I, <laughs> I I understand. I understand that. Um, one one thing that we that we do have to take into account though is that we're on the draw. We have an additional draw. We have like three more draws until their Fable the Mirror Breaker ever happens, or, or at least two more draws. Right, uh, turn one, turn two. Yeah, three uh, three more draws until we actually have like to deal with the rec to deal with that if it comes down. Um, they have to they have to have the Fable or they have to have the Record or Bankbuster, but anything other than those two cards you're set and you also have the additional draw. Um not not saying that it's the best hand, you know, that I would keep. It's probably one of the worst hands I would keep. I would love a creature in the sand. If, if this was two blood crypts, power kill, power killed, fable push, and 
um, you know, two creatures and it was only a two lander, I think I'd still keep it. Uh, because you have that extra draw to draw into your third land if you don't have three. Um, the, once again, going back to what I was saying before, the uh, about the Rakdos deck is that I, I, I personally, I don't know if I just like put too much stock in my like mirror match abilities or something, or like my Rakdos midrange playing abilities, because it is the main deck that I play in Pioneer. That if I have a hand with lands and spells, like I feel like I can win the game. Like the, the the way I feel like I just can't win is like I miss like two land drops in a row or like I I mulligan this hand and I have one land or two lands and just an unplayable hand. Um, I'm 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 just I'm me personally I'm just much more inclined to keep a hand like this on the draw with lands and spells, especially removal spells. I would be much more happy with having any proactive play at all. But I'm it's borderline, but I think this is a keep. Let's see what everyone else says. Um, this is a 54% keep and 46% mulligan. So this is the closest one we've had so far, but the majority of people say keep out of 167 responses. So um, a lot of people say keep, a lot of people say mulligan, but it's one of your 50-50s. Going to the next situation, number five is you're on the play with mono-white humans and you're in the game two versus Rakdos midrange. Your hand's the following. Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, Wedding Announcement, Skyclave Apparition, Luminarch Aspirant, Mutavault, Planes, and Planes. I don't know about you, but if I'm on the play with a Thalia against Rakdos, I am insta-keeping, okay? I would have to have a Thalia and six lands for me to mulligan. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, have, you have a creature land, you have both planes for Skyclave Apparition, I mean, maybe I would mulligan if it was like double Mutavault planes and I had a like double Skyclave in my hand. I'd just have to chop deck the second white. We have wedding announcement that is absolutely absurd against Rakdos. I, I, I feel like this is this isn't even a question to me whether it's a keeper mulligan. This is just like the most ideal possible. Airball? Yeah, I'm glad that I get to keep at least one hand. <laughs> I think I've mulled the other four. Um, the I think you're right. I think there's like a little bit of awkwardness between Thalia and wedding announcement because you can't actually cast one into the other uh it'll tax your own wedding announcement but i think skyclave apparition on three is probably more than good enough uh you even have mutavault if the opponent actually does manage to kill all your other stuff wedding announcement is a bomb in the matchup yeah this is great michael give me give me yeah you, please please don't look at this michael don't do it i'm not I'm <laughs> no, yeah, keep, keep... For, for everything you folks mentioned your setup for i mean obviously you don't have a game a turn one plan, but everything after turn one is super nice. And necessarily, Ragdos doesn't really have anything like you skipping your turn one and them not using their mana to because they likely are holding a removal spell and not probably thought definitely probably don't have thought seeds because that's pretty bad against you in the sense of you don't want to take extra damage if you're playing Ragdos against Mono White. So, like, likely that's a big thing, right? Because we don't have our turn one and uh, like a turn one creature. So, like, you basically, like, they don't do anything on turn one, and then turn two, you play Thalia, and so it makes their removal even worse that they held in their hand. So I think um, you're just set up. This is just, it's a, it's a great hand. You're set up after turn two, and actually game one, and turn one too, because you didn't do anything, they're not going to do anything. You're kind of just set up. It's the part, it's like, yeah, you said, it's kind of like a perfect hand. It's great. I mean, here's what I'm thinking if I'm playing Macros Midrange and my opponent and my opponent is on the play and I know that I boarded into like every possible removal spell plus three copies of like uh what this the four mana sweeper that exile stuff. I forgot the name off the top of my head. Extinction event. Extinction event. I have like three copies of that in my sideboard. I'm like, okay, we're prepared. Uh and I see turn one planes go. I'm like, oh my goodness, we are in there, right? So I'm like I'm playing my I'm playing my land. I'm holding up my Thoughtseize, and I'm like, let's freaking go! And then my opponent goes Mutavault Thalia. I'm like, I guess I lost <laughs> because no. because then I have to spend my next turn on going untap land, go holding up my Fatal Push, right? And because I don't want to do it in main phase, my opponent will just play another Thalia, right? So you want to hold it for their Thalia. So my opponent goes, all right, my go, enter combat, attack with Thalia, and I'm like, all right, I guess I can't kill it. Take the two, and then my opponent goes. Or you kill it and they slam wedding announcement. You're like, wow, I can't believe I killed that, right? But you 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 take the damage and they're like, all right, or or, or they go luminarch aspirant enter combat or something, right? And then um, now you have to kill something, so you kill like the luminarch aspirant. But now you're still under Thalia, so then you can't cast your fable or you can't cast your your two mana removal spell because there's a Thalia in play. 
So then your whole concept of your game is like warped around the Stalia, and you have to, and you can't, you can't cast your Fable yet. The only thing you can cast is like a creature on turn two, maybe a Blood Tithe Harvester. You cast your Harvester, and they go land Skyclave Apparition, and you're like, wow, they have ever, they have it all, <laughs> right? And and then you go to kill their Skyclave Apparition, and you're like, sick, land Wedding Announcement, and you're like, all right, dude, you got it. Um, the the only thing that would hold that would actually be good in my, in a Rakdos mid range deck against this specific hand is making them use all their wedding announcement tokens, having the kill on Thalia on turn three of the game, and then leave them on Luminarch Aspirant, triple wedding announcement token, and uh, and then extinction eventing on turn four, and then leaving them with the Skyclave, but that's still giving Mono White like three or four draws to draw anything else. Um, so I, I think this is a slam dunk keep, of course, for Mono White. Um, and I'm generally like super sad if I'm playing Rakdos against this. Yeah, and as we see here, 92% keep and 8% mulligan. I mean, what? I mean, okay. I'll I'll actually ask you this: a little bonus bonus action here. What do you think these 8% of people could be thinking? Uh, like just know, no one, just, just no one drop. I don't know. Like you, you've got to you've got to be drunk <laughs> to, to pull this one. Right, let me ask you a question. I'm cu I'm curious. Um, you're playing Rakdos, you're on the draw, your opponent is on Mono White, and they play an Isle, or they play a, a, a Plains and say Go. What are the odds that turn two is Athalia? One, what percentage of the time? 1,000%. Like, okay, I'm going yeah. to say 99%, the other 1% is Luminarch Aspirant. That's also in this hand. So, I'm curious, just indulge me. You have a Blood Crypt in your hand, you have a Fatal Push, and you have a Swamp. What land are you playing on one? I think I'm. St I, I I honestly, I think I'm still playing the swamp <laughs> because I I I don't know if I can give my opponent like a like I don't know. What what if they just kept a hand of like what if okay let's let's do this. What if my opponent's hand is planes planes mutavault, Lu um luminarch aspirant skyclave wedding announcement and the thalia is replaced with like a brave the elements, right? So. Or maybe the Luminarch Aspirant's a one-drop, and they're like, they want to hold up their Brave the Elements, so they go Planes Pass, and then you go you go Swamp, you can't hold up your Fatal Push, and then they go, and then they go um, Planes One-Drop, and then you go to, and then you go to um, kill it, and they Brave it. So, like, maybe they would hold the one-drop in that case, playing around Fatal Push. Like, that's the, that's like the only way, that's the only, the only other option I would think that they would have outside of, well, like, when they go Planes Pass. But other than that, like, 99% Dahlia. So I, but I, but I think I still, I, I think I'm still playing the swamp untapped. I don't know what, what are you, what are you playing? Are you playing the blood crypt tapped? I'm curious about what Michael thinks. He's the other Rakdos player. Yeah, Rack, well, yeah, uh, Michael, are you playing the blood crypt tapped or are you playing the swamp untapped? Um, that's hard. I think I would probably end up playing the if I had those lands in hand. That's actually a really cool depends on, question. Depends on the texture. Yeah, it depends on the texture of my the other cards in my hand, because obviously we're not mulling down the three. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think it's mo more than likely most of the time is an untapped swamp. If we have like a one mana, uh, we have a black, single black removal, which is fatal, like fatal push. So if we have that, then I'm just playing the swamp and, and just passing it over. Um, otherwise, if the texture of my hand dictates something different, then I might play Blood Crypt uh, tapped and just hope to God. Like, right. like, like one thing I think about way way more than I think I should is like, what if I top deck X card, right? And a lot of times it does work out where I topped the X card and I was rewarded by my play. So like, I'll play the untapped swamp and like, what if I top deck a less efficient way of killing my opponent's creature and it happens to not be Thalia? Like, what if I go um land go they go luminarch aspirin put a counter and i'm like let's not fatal push now let's wait because i could draw bone crusher giant off the top and then i go shock and then i draw bone crusher giant and i go shock blood crypt um pass stomp luminarch aspirin you know so it's like it's like different things like that that i think you have to think about uh when when you're considering uh like holding up fatal push or not or even using fatal push on a luminarch aspirin because the first okay when you're playing mono white against rakdos the first thing that you play guaranteed dead, right? So are you playing yeah. the are you are you playing the thing you care about the most first unless it's Athalia? Like probably not, right? Right. If you had two different um, options. Yeah. 
So, uh, so, so that's that's the reason why I think I might not even fatal push if I had it and they played Luminarch. Right. Of course, oh, of course, it's playing the Blood Crypt. What was that? Right. If, if then if that's the case, then you're playing Blood Crypt Tap because then there's literally no situation where you're fatal pushing on turn one. I mean, there's not no situation on fatal pushing turn. There's no, there's not like no situation, right? Because what what if they play a a two drop that has three toughness? Then I am fatal pushing because I don't have the option to top deck st uh, stomp. This does such a thing exist in the mono white deck? Is there a two drop with three toughness? Um, there could be there. There, I've seen Tamik in some decks. That's a two three. Oh yeah. And fair, I and fair. I have also I like and I've also seen the the white the two mana two three with the black kicker that adds a creature back that has lifelink. I've seen that card too. Um, and that has three toughness. But I mean, obviously it's few it's few and far between. But you honestly just like never know. But if it had three toughness, I do use it. If it doesn't have two toughness, I don't think I use it. And like hope to draw stomp off the top, but anyway, that, that's like super freaking nuance. <laughs> but I mean, that's why you listen to a podcast, right? To to get the nuance. But I do, I do like these I discussions. Do. I could have these discussions for like an hour longer, but you know, we don't have an hour. I I also think if we want to just quickly about the ape because we kind of glossed over it. Um, the 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 eight percent who are mulling, I would say they're maybe newer magic players and they want to see a one drop, which this is not what the they're not they're not analyzing the resources of magic and what's going on at a more macro level. And so they're just like, I don't have my one drop, therefore bad. And therefore, like, I might lose to my Rakdos opponent who might remove anything. And they're not thinking about Thalia and then the Rakdos player not doing anything also on their turn one, which isn't great for the Rakdos player. So in some senses, like, it might be even good that you don't play anything on turn one. So I think that's where the 8% people are are kind of lost in the sauce a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I understand, I understand being lost in the sauce with the 8%, but um, there, I have seen, or and heard a lot of really good players in specific decks. Not necessarily mono white in Pioneer, but um, I, I've seen like let's let's give like modern humans for an example. Like when humans was a thing in 2019 before Fury was a card. Like I have seen really good players be like, okay, if it doesn't have one drop, I have to mulligan, and it's just like that rigid. Um, but I don't think mono this mono white deck is a deck that you need to think about that. And the eight percent no. should have just kept. Correct. Um, all right. Well, those those are actually the five things, the uh, five situations we want to go over. Are, are there any other niche situations or, or 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 keep mulligan situations that you have off the top of your head that you wanted to go over, or any other comments about these things? Like we haven't, we've been like most of these hands have been like four landers, right? Do you have any like any like two landers that you would keep, like even on the play, that with like one two drop or something, and you just like have to draw, you have to top deck a land. Like, do you keep that hand? I mean, yeah, uh, depends on what we have. Like, if we have another cantrip or some sort of card draw thing, then yeah, I'm more inclined to keep it. Um, I feel like maybe Pioneer is a format where if you have less lands, depending on deck, but majority of the times, if you have less lands, it's probably, it, like, if you have two lands and some a, a, a two-mana play, then you're probably going to be fine, and, and you just need to kind of figure it out from there. Where, you know, if you have, like, five lands and two spells, that's just not going to fly. Um, you're just going to get run over more more often than not, even if you have card draw spells, I think. I, um, I think if I have five lands and two spells, and my spells are a Blood Tithe Harvester or Misery Shadow and a Fable, then I'm keeping. I absolutely am not keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> not like, like fa fa fable, the, a Fable cures all, you must believe. <laughs> you just discard the lands and draw non-lands. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, I guess I'll just make one general observation before we go then. Um, I think that magic has changed a lot in the last several years, and I think that whether you keep or mulligan, uh, those decisions have changed with it, because it used to be that magic games were about quantity, just being like the last guy standing or last woman standing with a card at the end of the day was the person, that was the person who was going to win. And now with like modern magic design where card advantage is stapled onto almost everything, mulliganing is not nearly as pun punishing as it used to be. And I think you can afford to go one more hand deep to try to find a specific answer to a specific problem in a specific matchup. I think you should be more willing to mulligan now than you should have been two or three years ago. Yeah, the the London mulligan, right? If, if people like that is what we should probably cover next week is the London mulligan compared to what was the one before that, like the Vancouver mulligan. Vancouver or something like that. is right. 
yeah. to go over that because like some people don't know it, it it is relevant in magic strategy to know what the london mulligan is and how it has made more games not non-games of magic if that makes sense so um and another thing is something that has made me improve as a magic player thinking about uh, mulliganing or keeps is um you know, it sucks because, like, you know, I love math and I just haven't processed and I haven't processed it in this way for magic. But the thing that you heard us heard us talk about earlier in this episode, where you kind of break down what are my best draws, what are my worst draws, think about like some rough percentages in that. Luckily, in arena, if you're playing arena, it does it for you. Just look over to the side where if you have the the untapped, yeah, untapped, uh, um add-on then you can see what's going to happen there but if you're doing this via paper or at a rcq or something like that you need to be able to know your deck intimately enough and know what cards are going to make this hand better and what are the rough fractions or percentages that is possible for you to draw that including like if you have blood tide harvester that's one more deeper and how much and how much turns you have to draw that is it going to make your hand good enough to keep and a lot of that a lot of the time that will help you uh be able to navigate some of these tougher decisions if you can get to a place of that uh math understanding and mulliganing understanding so that's just a, kind of a, a good tip I, I read this off a jesse robkin article not too long ago about um i forgot what it was but she was just she was thinking about what percentages make this hand to keep and a and she ran some numbers and i was like oh i didn't think you know a, a magic player back in the day uh, told me like pros are always running the numbers in their head and they're not always but they're like little tricks and little times you should be running numbers and it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze to think an extra five seconds about this stuff so i just wanted to say that yeah uh, I do want to thank the people over at playingmtg.com for providing these situations here as well uh, because they did um make these situations and run the uh, keep and mulligan responses as well and the percentages of that and give a little bit of their, of their analysis. So if you do want to see their analysis and not ours, head over to play MP, playingmpg.com to, to check that out. But anyways, thank you so much to everybody for listening and especially to those who made it this far. Make sure to give us a follow to see our next episode. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod. Let us know what you would keep or mulligan. And we will see you in the top eight. Okay, bye. See you guys.